1: It's coming home, it's coming home. Tell the world it's coming home. They made the Germans go away. They'll face Ukraine on Saturday. It's coming home. Ah, this is the Arsenal Vision Euro 2020 Daily. My name is Eli Fifty Clubman on Twitter Yankee Gunner. I don't know. I just felt like singing because I'm happy for my my English friend fan fan friend Engl- England i'm happy for the england team you know what if you're german you're rooting for germany i'm very sorry for you it is painful uh you have had your share of of positive memories in in recent memory but for the english uh what what a day for the fans of england for tim for clive for phil who's joining me now uh just a a special day we'll discuss that we'll discuss late drama uh in ukraine sweden and here to discuss discuss it with me is phil you can find my twitter underscore phil costa hello phil
2: Hello, Elliot. How's it going?
1: Yeah, it's going great. Look, if you want to hear me sing, I will sing. I will dance. I will bring you drinks. I will bring you manscaping tools. We will have a time. Come to Vegas, August 20 to 22nd. Come. There's over 200 people signed up now. We've got Ted Knutson coming from StatsBomb to do a transfer symposium. We've got live Q&A. We've got cocktail parties. We've got pool parties. We've got all kinds of stuff. And it's Vegas, and it's at the win. Footballfest2021.com footballfest2021.com. Uh, pardon the name. I can explain it when I see you there. And I am excited to see you there. Be there. Okay, Phil, big day. Congratulations. Um, I think it's a game that struck me as being more about the anxiety and the tension than the quality for long stretches of it. Um, There were missed moments, more notably, and thankfully for the English uh, on the German side. And there were... I think questions to be asked of Southgate until there weren't questions to be asked of Southgate. So I guess what I would say is, in that first half, with maybe a a paucity of quality and Germany having a little bit better of the chances, I'm curious how you felt about his decision to go with three fullbacks, two defensive midfielders. I mean, obviously thrilled to see Saka out there. And I I do think he was England's best player in the first half. Um, But... A, a very sort of defensive setup and a game that I thought was more about the tension than the quality. How do you see that that first half of the game going?
2: Yeah, I mean, the lineup was, you know, uh, was a defensive one. I don't think, you know, just because there were kind of defenders on the pitch, it doesn't mean that it had to be a, a defensive style of play. I think mm-hmm. Kieran Trippier is, you know, a very attacking fullback naturally. I think Luke Shaw can, can do that job just as well. So, but for me... I you know it looked like especially in the first 15 minutes it looked like a team that didn't have a lot of time to work with a new system um, and they were like kind of pressing at the start but then Tony Kroos just kind of put a few lines uh, sorry a few passes between the lines and then there was a massive hole in the middle and I was yeah. kind of like uh, this shouldn't be happening guys um, you know I don't think this was the plan for for Southgate and, and for the team so you know the the first 10 15 minutes were kind of shaky but then they slowly sort of figured it out and and after that i thought they actually had the you know the the large portion of the first half even if they didn't create many clear cut chances i thought they looked pretty comfortable again um and yeah i mean i personally i personally wouldn't have gone with the back three but i think in the end it kind of uh, paid off for southgate so Who am I to say anything?
1: Yeah, who cares? I mean, it winds up looking great. So um, that's all that matters. I mean, ultimately, maybe there was an idea to keep it tight, to have the game be a bit cagey and careful. And and I mean, look, England's reputation this tournament has been for keeping teams out, for not giving away a lot of chances. They chose to match up Germany, formation, formation, right? Back three for back three. And by and large, it's not that they gave away clear-cut chances, though I think Germany had the better of it uh, Havertz volley was sensational and it's a brilliant save by Pickford uh, Werner did go through and I actually also think it's a good save from from Pickford there trying to go between the legs um, it wasn't a game where the midfields really got a hold of it and so it was I, I just didn't think the patterns of play developed very clearly, clearly either way and one player who clearly clearly didn't find a way to get involved in the first half was Harry Kane Um I think it's a pretty clever header to get the second goal, and we'll come on to that. But in terms of Kane's sort of untouchable status in the team, I think there were a lot of people starting to get antsy with what he was doing out there, and it hasn't been a great tournament for him. So do you see this as sort of vindication? Here's why you keep him on. There's always a goal in him. Or do you think that this performance, yet again, raises questions about whether England can flow a little more freely with, with someone who's moving a little better? Because he, he, he really did struggle to, I thought... Put, put Germany under any pressure. He didn't show up for the ball well. He didn't get him behind.
2: Yeah, I mean, he looks very clunky. Um, Matt Tumorz is not the, the quickest center back around, and he just dominated him for the first half, yeah. really. I mean, all the headers, all the foot races. You know, I think it's a bit of column A and column B. I think with Kane, no matter how sort of gassed he looks, no matter what injuries kind of picked up, as we saw, he will, he will eventually get one chance. Um in the game and and he did obviously for the second goal but for me you know i think not just the game but i think that the selection said everything that we need to know with with dominic calvert lewin not even making the match they scored today yeah. um obviously they have marcus rashford who can come in and play as a central striker but for me calvert lewin is the most natural replacement for harry kane he's had a great season for everton you know, is known for being a handful, good in the air, can run the channels, and he wasn't even included today. So, you know, I think that's a clear message from from Southgate, As if we needed another one, you know, that Harry Kane is his, his, his man, he's the captain, and yeah, he's going to stick with him, whether he's running through treacle or not, so... You know, I think a lot of people were, were slightly going overboard with the criticism. And then after he scored, they were kind of like, don't doubt this man, you know. And it's just like, come on, guys. Uh, you know, he scored uh, from close range, even though it was a nice move. He had a poor game overall. So I think it's, a, a, you know, a bit of column A, a bit of column B. But I think the obviously the goal would have done him and and, and Southgate actually the, the world
0: of good.
1: I think it is fair to say that England could potentially be playing better or look more threatening in attack with a center forward who doesn't look like he's running through treacle and is more involved. Anytime a striker scores a goal, his selection has been justified to some extent. So, yeah, I see both sides to it. I wonder, you know, as as I said, I thought Saka was good in the first half. And I wonder if the idea here was, for Saka in particular, who's someone who can be very effective in the central spaces as well, for those wide players, Sterling and Saka, to come inside more often and form almost like a three in midfield at times because the the wing backs were providing the width because Saka took up a lot of half spaces and central spaces and when Sterling switched with him, he did as well and actually that's where he caused danger twice. So, I mean, do you think that was kind of the plan and why he picked those players because they're more comfortable coming inside uh sort of inverted wingers I guess you'd say and then you can use the wing backs for the for the width
2: I mean potentially I mean for me personally I know a lot of people were singing Luke Shaw's praises after the game and obviously you he provided the assists for the for the first goal and it was a, a lovely assist but just I thought that that both wing backs were really poor in the game mm. actually I I didn't feel like they provided any width. I thought their end product was really poor. I thought their relationship with not only the winger ahead of them, but their nearest centre-backs was was really poor. I mean, Kyle Walker and Kieran Trippier today were just, you know, really not good, but, you know, how, how I saw it. I thought their, their passing was completely off and slow and often, you know, under-hit, over-hit, and I just didn't like that combination at all. For me, I was kind of crying out for one of the fullbacks to be taken off, either Trippier or Walker, go back to a back four and then get someone like Mount or Grealish in the middle where they can kind of link play because I felt that whenever England did have a chance to break, they had so many people back and it was kind of just Saka, Sterling and Kane alone to take on, you know, five defenders and it was just, you know, going nowhere. Um, But yeah, obviously the way the two goals went in you could kind of say that the system and the decision to go with that wing back uh position was justified but for me i didn't really think it worked for large spells of the game and i think he might have got away with it a bit towards the end
1: yeah the interesting thing right is that i actually thought england were very combative off the ball early and and pressed pretty well you know they didn't give germany a clean path to progress the ball but when mm-hmm. Germany were able to get past that first wave, then they were able to find the space and the runners had room to operate. But the other thing I thought about the way they set up is just that when England you know, when England wanted to play the ball through the thirds, I, I don't think that worked. And I, I do wonder if Phillips and Rice as a pair just limit the ball progression, the buildup too much. I mean, Phillips hasn't really had a, a performance like he did on the opening day of the tournament against, I guess it was Croatia, uh, when he was man of the match. And, and Rice is there, you know, to Harry and to press and to be a pain in the neck. And I thought he was good. I'm not saying either of them was bad particularly. It's just I, I thought that when Grealish was coming on, and I think a lot of people felt this way, that it instead of being for Saka, it should have been for one of the fullbacks, right? For Trippier and you move um, Walker to, to fullback or for Walker and you keep Trippier out there, whatever the case may be. And, and then you have a little bit of an easier time, I think, progressing the ball and creating chances for the front three. It wound up just being for Saka, Sterling moving to the right. And it works. I mean, Sterling creates a goal, scores a goal. Grealish has an assist. There's there's really nothing to criticize in terms of the outcome. And I, I think this is why it's, it's hard being an analyst for football, because if you just want to judge on what wound up happening on the scoreline at the end of the game, which is the most important thing, everything is vindicated. I think the path to getting there was, you know, questionable at times. But that doesn't that doesn't matter. And so, I mean, where do you come down on this? Because it was defensive, it wasn't always easy on the eye. That that substitution felt very cautious. But it all it all works out. I mean, Shaw, who wasn't brilliant, I think is he the one who delivers the assist for Sterling? Is it Shaw? Yeah. He, yeah, it's yeah Shaw? He is Shaw? Yeah. And then it's Grealish who who uh, provides the assist for Kane from Sterling playing mm-hmm. really nicely uh, in off the right side where he'd replace Saka. So are you inclined to say, look, it's not, you know, it's, it's not how I would have drawn the picture, but the, the final, the end product is perfect. So Southgate deserves credit for that.
2: I think it's difficult because, you know, as much as people have complained about the Rice Phillips pivot, Jude Bellingham is, is very young and Henderson's clearly not hundred yeah, percent fit yet. Yeah. So this is kind of all he has um that's like fit firing ready to go I mean actually to be honest I thought Phillips played quite well today particularly in the first half I thought he was energetic um he made 11 ball recoveries which was more than any other player on the pitch today so I thought he was you know getting around his defensive work well even though he was maybe a little bit lucky to be on the pitch after his challenge on Tony Crows. I thought he was a bit late there um, orange. And yeah, Declan mm-hmm. Rice, orange. yeah, orange, very orange uh, territory there for for the hymns. And we kind of know what we're going to get with Declan Rice—a bit safe, but screens well, and you know, does his his work diligently. So, I mean, it's not ideal. I don't think it's uh, if For example, if you look at the, if you look at the favourites, I know France are out obviously, and and Portugal are out, but. It's not a, a midfield two that that you know gives you X factor, particularly because they're both very kind of safe and standard players. But I think they both did fine today. I thought actually Harry Maguire was excellent. I thought he won everything in the air and when he brings the ball forward, he was getting England up the pitch a lot. Um, so I think his role in possession today was was very important. So yeah, it wasn't ideal, but I just kind of feel like this is who England are at the moment. Whether it's what they want to be in their final form, I'm not sure. I think they can and probably should be aiming to be a bit more expansive and exciting. But I think, you know, four clean sheets kind of speak for themselves, even though they, they rode their luck a bit today. And yeah, it's just kind of what we do now. We're kind of solid. We shut teams out um, to the best of our ability. And then we try and nick a couple on, um, on the break with some of our attacking talents. So... You know, I fancied them before and it kind of played out exactly how I imagined.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I think French fans can speak to this and Arsenal fans can speak to this too. Turning a game into a really, really sort of low scoring, low chance created, even even game and then hoping for variance to break in your favor is fine if you maybe have less of the talent or it's more balanced. But when you have the superior talent, I don't think you want to go that way. So a plan that maybe makes sense going up against Germany I'm not sure if you want to approach the, the upcoming Ukraine game that way, for example, because Ukraine will be exhausted, they'll be missing players, Sweden and Ukraine kick the crap out of each other, and you do wonder if if Southgate might look at that and go, okay, this defensive structure has worked really well, but I have the ability to put superior talent out there and and really hurt Ukraine early and avoid the trap France fell into. Uh, now you know, Switzerland's a very good team, but you know keeping the Swiss in the game early and giving them something to cling to, so that that'll be something to look for. I think, you know, I'm not a huge Jordan Pickford guy, but can we have a moment? I mean, I think, I think Pickford has two really really good saves in this game that come to mind. There may have been others I'm not thinking of, but the Kai Havertz just was brilliant today, and I, I mean a player who who looks fantastic lately, and that volley sensational, and Pickford's reactions are fantastic, and Werner who gets a lot of deserved uh, criticism. I don't think he does a bad job with that chance. He tries to go between the legs, which is available and, and Pickford gets his legs closed if I remember it correctly in time. So do you think he deserves a big chunk of credit for this, uh, for this result as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about the England goalkeepers and Dean Henderson was pushing quite hard, Mm -hmm. obviously after his, you know,
1: this is a no Aaron Ramsdale, Uh, Ramsdale (laughs) for mentions, by the way, (laughs) just moving on.
2: That's fine for me. That's fine for me. I mean, you know, I I find a lot of issue with people saying, oh, he's been called up for England, but there's like injuries ahead of him. It's like, come on guys, he's not there on (laughs) merits. I was the next call up
1: and I'm not English. Yeah, okay, go ahead.
2: Yes, Um, but I think just in general, I think Pickford looks a lot more calm. Um, I mean, his shot stopping has always been very impressive, but it was the kind of the other stuff around his game. You know, he's always been a bit of a unpredictable, crazy, shouty kind of goalkeeper, but I think he just, In the last 12 months, I think he's added a lot of calm to his game. I thought he claimed crosses well. Some of his distribution was really good today. So, yeah, really good. I think he's much improved, and for sure, he's he's England's number one. So, good for him. I thought the Havertz save in particular was excellent.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that. Like, I just tried to picture someone like David Ospina saving, (laughs) and I just got sad thinking about it. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, his frame helps him there. His reactions are really good. Um, It's just such a huge moment for England, and I think... You know, especially coming against Germany and getting past this now, and you know, with France out and with Portugal out, um, you know, with the the group of death is is was aptly named because they're all dead, they're all out. France out, Portugal out, Germany out, Hungary out. So that that worked out perfectly. The path is is there. I mean, going to be huge favorites against a beat up Ukraine team, and then it's a semifinal. I mean, you look at Belgium, you look at Spain. You know, two scary teams, certainly. Italy looked very, very good. But I think in the betting markets, England England is is the favorite to do this now. And I I, I think it's far from from a sure thing. And I, I don't know that I would have England as favorites necessarily, but would you?
2: Ooh, it's a difficult one. I don't know if I would have them as favorites because I honestly don't believe that there's an outright favorite at the moment.
1: Except they have a path um, that looks pretty straightforward to the semis. So that's a yes, pretty big advantage. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Theoretically, their their path is easier. But as we've seen you know, in the last couple of days, that doesn't really count for much. Yeah. Um, and you know i think italy still look very strong even though they kind of stumbled over the line against austria belgium are there like you said denmark are on fire so i for me there's no outright favorite but i think you know uh, four games zero goals conceded they they kind of click into gear when they need to i think england have a you know a really good chance and like you said with their path i think they'll they'll quietly be fancying themselves although it's very English not to get carried away, and you know, there's a a famous thing in Sunday League football where you could be winning ten nil, and everyone's like nil nil guys. You know, heads on. So, you know, it's just like come on, you can be, you can be a bit excited about your prospects, you know. But it's very English to say, you know, you know, next game, you know, onto the can next happen. one. So. <laughs> Anything um, can happen, that's it. So, I, uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens.
1: I feel great for Sterling. I think, you know, some vindication for him is is long overdue, excellent player, hasn't always worked out for him with England and hasn't always been treated well in the media, obviously. Um, until Kane's goal, he'd been the only English player to score in this tournament. He does so again, but sliding doors moment. You think of Pogba, scores a wonderful goal, but then has a bit of an error that leads to the game turning around. Sterling nearly had a similar moment, and that's a really bad pass and, and Mueller is put through I, I think my brain collapsed because I actually saw it nestle into the corner of the net I, I'm still not convinced it didn't that's that's a stunning moment I, I think if that goes in you know this is such a cliche to say it's it's totally different but in that moment you're holding your breath you surely expect that Mueller's going to find the back of the net there
2: oh yeah I, I was uh, literally getting annoyed again because I thought bloody hell I'm going to have to do another thing of extra time here um and I'm stunned that it that it didn't nestle into the corner. I mean, Carl Walker did his best to catch up, and he nearly did, which, which is making up insane ground considering where he was. But you know, Muller, you know, we know he's not the quickest, he's not the most physically gifted. But put him in front of the goal, and he's going to find a corner, or you know, put it in the back of the net. And to see that trickle wide, I was just like, right, this is England's day. You know, when that that kind of thing happens. You just think it's not going to be for Germany and this is all England. So, I mean, what a chance. It was basically put on a plate for him and he missed it. So, yeah, it's just something that happens in football, you know. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people would have put money on him to score there. So, I'm glad that they didn't.
1: Mm, yeah, and then, you know, NABRI came on, didn't really impact the game much. Are you surprised at sort of how, I mean, other than that Muller chance, how meekly Germany did go out towards the end of I, mean, I can't think of much, unless I'm forgetting something, other than the Muller chance, which just... Obviously, the the big turning point moment in in the game, um, you know, after after sterling scores, I can't think of much that Germany did. I, I thought England were pretty composed defensively. Are you surprised that Germany couldn't craft at least a couple more openings?
2: Yeah, I mean, I know I was bashing on the on the three back formation switch a bit, but I think part of keeping Germany quiet was down to this, um, in, to that particular change. I mean. I know Joshua Kimmich had like a couple of dangerous crosses in the game, but Robin Gursens didn't have a kick. Uh, I mean, in nope. the final 30, he, he did absolutely nothing. You know, Havertz was, I, I thought probably their best player along with Tony Kroos, but I don't think he was ever near enough to the goal to, to be able to affect things um, significantly. So, you know, I was a bit critical of the formation. I don't think the wingbacks did much going forward uh, for, for large parts, but I think, their presence and you know the ability to kind of congest everything was was a bit of a masterstroke really from southgate who managed to keep germany very quiet um, and even you know they went with goretzka in midfield today as a kind of potential third man runner into the box and he just did nothing as well so i mean it's a job well done for england um, but yeah germany was sort of jorgi loves last game you know he brings on gnabry um, yeah, you know, I think he brought on Leroy Sané towards the end as well, but then he brought on Emre Can, and it's just like, come on, man, this is your last ever game managing Germany. Just throw everything at this now, and and you bring on Emre Can, and it's just, you know, wasn't particularly inspiring. And I've just found that to be too much of a common theme during the last few years of his tenure. And apart from the Portugal game, I I was really underwhelmed by Germany, if I'm honest.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I totally agree. I don't think they look nearly as threatening as I assumed they would. I I feel great for for anyone who supported England. I think it's wonderful. I, I really, really can't wait to see what Southgate does in the next game. I mean, we said before the tournament in your preview episode that the big thing in this tournament is that Southgate can only pick so many of these talented young attackers and there's always going to be people upset that he didn't pick Foden or Mount or Sancho or Saka. I assume Saka would be the odd man out. I do think he played well today. I do think there is an, a bit of a, a responsibility up on Southgate in the Ukraine game to be more aggressive early, more adventurous and and not let that game be a tense tight one late if he can avoid it. Do you think Saka did enough in the first half that was encouraging? And and again, I I felt he was England's best player during that time to keep his place. Um, Or now that Mount is back in the fold and, you know, Foden's there and it's a game that requires a little more attacking output. Do you think he'll, he'll swap it around?
2: I think he certainly did enough. Um, Like you said, I was, I really liked him in the first half. He had a couple of really bright moments. um, And I think actually he was the player who kind of wrestled back a bit of control um, after Germany had that dominant opening 10 minutes. I thought he was kind of getting on the ball, driving through the middle, and that kind of got the fans on side a bit. So I thought he did enough, and um, it's difficult. I I don't see him uh, retaining his place, actually. I think, like you said, I don't think the, the three at the back will return for Ukraine. I think there'll be an onus on England to attack, as you mentioned, and I think along with Sterling, I think Grealish, Mount, Foden are the kind of guys you want in the side who can kind of be on the ball, create those little openings against a a packed defense. I'm not saying Ukraine are just going to sit back the whole game because they've shown that they can do some damage further forward. But I think they might just need a couple of guys to pick the lock. And even though we know Saka can do it, I think he'll go for his more tried and tested options. I think Mason Mount will be straight back in the side. Um, and yeah, I don't think he will be starting, but I don't think he did anything wrong, should we say, uh, yeah. even though the system left him a bit isolated at times.
1: Certainly when Grealish came on, I, I thought it should have been for one of the fullbacks, but it worked out. <clears throat> be curious to see if Grealish comes in to the um, starting lineup against Ukraine and not to take one of those wide positions, but is more of a natural 10 a back four. But let's see. Uh, let's talk about who England will be facing and that's Ukraine. Uh, uh physical game to say the least against Sweden a punishing game a game that doesn't go to penalties thankfully for our recording time but I know everybody watching will be disappointed um, you know it's interesting I, Forsberg's performance in this tournament is a reminder why small sample sizes can be dangerous or, or even just judging off international football because at times he's looked like Messi for Sweden I mean he he was sensational and unlucky in this game hitting the post hitting the bar and it was a fairly even game, I thought, otherwise. But the big moment that I want to discuss with you, because it seems to have created some sort of surprising disagreement online, is the red card in stoppage time. Mm-hmm. He goes to volley the ball, and he gets it. And then the player who's charging in towards him gets the worst of his off-the-ground straight leg over his knee. I mean, in slow motion or in a still frame, it looks absolutely vicious, and it's a no-doubt red card. There are people who played the game—I did not—who feel that it's a harsh red card. That, look, he goes to volley the ball, and he volleys the ball, and someone comes crashing into his straightened spikes. But I think if the standard is, are you in control of your body? Is your challenge reckless? Is the way you went for it likely to cause danger to your fellow uh, professional? Then you could see it. In in my first instinct was well that's about as clear a red card as you will see but I also now with the benefit of hindsight and listening to what some of these guys like Lineker and stuff are saying understand where they're coming from. Do you have that kind of sympathy or do you think that's just overthinking it? And it's obviously red. It's straight leg over the knee.
2: Yeah, I've had I've wrestled with it as well. Um, I mean, I I've very much leaned towards the the decision was the right one. I mean. Absolutely. I don't think there's any intent at all to to hurt the player. I think he's genuinely making an attempt for the ball. He gets the ball, but it's it's what you mentioned about control. When you kind of leave your leg there like that with your studs up, um, and it's an issue of proximity for me because I don't think the player was far away that you can completely absolve him of any responsibility. I don't think it was malicious i just think it was a bit reckless and clumsy and you know in terms of endangering an opponent i think you can see what happened to him i mean the fact that he was able to walk off the pitch um and around the pitch was a a shambles really because i'll be i'll be stunned if there's no ligament damage done there Mm. um that hyper extension was just horrendous and you know i feel a bit sorry for him because it clearly wasn't you know, meant to, to hurt anybody. It was just an honest attempt for the ball. But I thought the action itself of volleying the ball was a was a dangerous one and out of control one. And I think, as you as you explained it, the potential damage that you can cause to your fellow professionals kind of tipped it over the edge. And you know, I don't think nowadays you can complain about a red card like this, um, mm-hmm. even though some have tried to.
1: Yeah, that, the that's feeling. the thing, Phil. It, it is not. He's just standing there and tries to volley the ball. It is a lunging, flying, full mm-hmm. speed volley with your stud showing, with someone else come that you can physically see coming, coming to challenge for it. Someone say, "Well, why is it his responsibility to pull out of that if he can get to the ball?" I don't know. If you do a bicycle kick and you kick someone square in the face, if you, um, you know, have a high boot and and you know you break someone's jaw, like, or what about the the uh, goalkeeper the other day, who was it? Who punched someone. Laris. Laris. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. I mean. Again, we we discussed that. Yeah. It is mm-hmm. the the reality is that the days of intention mattering are gone. Intention is not a, a deciding factor in whether something's red. So I can understand why there's a debate here, but I'm also fine with something like that being taken out of the game, and 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 it is what it is. But. It it gave Ukraine the opportunity to to put some pressure on in, in extra time and a lot of injuries, a lot of clashes of head, just a very physical game. I don't know what kind of state Ukraine will be, and be curious to see how their players fare going into the England game. But then the the late drama at the end, the 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 goal for for Ukraine to win it. I mean, does this feel harsh on Sweden? Do you think it was a fair competition? The one thing I'll say is obviously Forsberg had. A lovely, a lovely game early on, and and the chances to win it. But I, I, I think the red card kind of decided it, right? I mean, ultimately, I think Sweden edged it, but but then Ukraine had the the energy at the end to go for it. I, you know, ultimately, the, the funny thing about a game like this is you could kind of see each team have a period in the game. I felt, uh, Phil, where they were conscious of really trying to take the reins and push the other team back, and then periods where they were much more defensive and careful. I mean, Ukraine started kind of brightly, if I remember correctly, and then got really defensive, defended very deep for a bit, then had a little more um, adventurousness, and Sweden were pushed back. So it was just kind of a game of, of sort of back-and-forth momentum, I thought.
2: Yeah, I mean, actually, the game itself was a, was a really interesting one, and, I, and one that I enjoyed a lot, um, particularly the first 60 minutes before everybody was seemingly gassed yeah um it was kind of end to end there was a lot of chances i mean ukraine hit the post and then sweden hit the post a minute later and then forsberg hit the bar again so i thought there was kind of a lot of uh attacking football being played i thought ukraine had some really nice moments um just in general play and possession i thought the system changed did a lot of uh good for them but obviously sweden when they got into those areas they had forsberg Isak, kolusevsky we can just provide that bit of magic you know and I feel a bit sorry for Sweden because I felt like they were pushing hard pushing hard and they just didn't quite have that moment of cutting edge just to put the ball in the back of the net um, and I thought this is probably one of their best performances of the tournament actually because we hadn't really seen them attack with such intensity before so yeah I'm kind of leaving this game with, with a bit of sympathy for Sweden but I think Ukraine, they, they carried on, they carried on, they took some some big hits. I mean, extra time in particular, as you mentioned, was, was kind of uh, all over the place. Everyone was down and injured mm-hmm. and then there was medics coming on and it was kind of just, it flew by without anything really happening. But, you know, quality, we needed that bit of quality to make the difference and Zinchenko puts in an absolutely incredible cross into the box. Um, really amazing. It catches Lindelof off guard completely and then um Artem Dovbik is just there to to head home. So I would you know I-, I tweeted that we've we've been robbed after not seeing penalties, but I think when it's kind of a moment of quality like that, um you, you don't really have much of an issue to to see that win the game because yeah, Zinchenko his his goal was excellent. The technique to control that on the bounce was superb and, and the cross to, to set up the winner was brilliant as well. So um I'm, I'm pleased for Ukraine. Uh, I've got a lot of time for Andrzej Shevchenko. I, I like a lot of their players, and I think there'll they'll be a, a harder opposition for England than many will give them credit for.
1: Yeah. Um, so I don't think we need to go much deeper in this game. The only thing I want to say is not a great night for Isaac, right? I, I thought he went missing a little bit, dropping deep at times, maybe deeper than I expected him to be. Do you have any thoughts on on his performance? Because obviously he's sort of one of the fun parts of of this Sweden team in this tournament, Forsberg aside, and uh, a night where he really just sort of failed to have that impact.
2: Yeah, I thought he was quiet today. Um, Honestly, to me, he looked tired. Um, There was a couple of, you know, big runs that he managed to get through the middle, and obviously when you see him at full pelt like that, it's quite incredible, you know, watching the 6-4 6 three striker just breeze past people but I thought his positioning was kind of off the whole game there were a few crosses um, you know into good areas from the from the left back and the right back and he was kind of just on the edge of the box not quite keeping up with play and for me he looked tired and I thought the, the partnership between him and Kulusevski was wasn't exactly clear. They both like to get on the ball. They both like to drop deep and involve themselves in play. And they were kind of stepping on each other's toes a bit and they didn't really have a focal point to aim at. Um, so I just think it was a combination of things, of tiredness, of being, you know, uh, kind of lost in the system. And it's normal. He's, a, he's a still a young player. Um, and I think if you look at his performances at the tournament, on the whole, as a rounded, um, you know, thing, I think he's he's been impressive even if he was quiet today. So I think he's gained a lot more. Uh, I thought, sorry, he's, he's increased his reputation rather than the decreased it for
1: sure. Yeah. Well, good for him. And, and sorry for the Swedes listening, but England, Ukraine, it is, let's leave it there. Uh, unfortunately, because of how late these games are going, I am out of time. So, so I, I think we're going to have to have an abrupt goodbye uh, as Germany and, and Sweden did today. So, uh, very exciting, though. Phil, congratulations on the win today. Day like today, make you wish you were in England so you could be part of some of these ridiculous videos that are circulating on social media that make uh, always make us enjoy when the English have, have a good tournament.
2: Yeah, I do have a bit of FOMO at the moment. Actually, I I fly back. I'm going back for a month, and it's the day after the final, so that could either be a, a very quiet or a very loud uh, homecoming, so we have to wait and see. You'll be flying what happens, in, seeing but... the
1: ground just strewn with with drunken, passed out bodies everywhere. <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll send you a lawnmower. Yeah. 4.0, and you can walk around body shaving everybody who's passed out. So at least we can have better imagery to look at. Um, we'll leave it there. More to come, obviously, and uh, more to come from the regular podcast. As uh, looks like Lacanga and Tavares signing is going to be announced. We'll probably do a double scouting video for them too on the Patreon side of things. So plenty more ahead. Phil, thanks so much. You can find Phil on Twitter at underscore Phil Costa.
2: My pleasure.
1: My name is Elliot Smith, and guess what, everybody? I'm going to say it again at the very end. No matter who you support or wherever you are, especially if it's England, it's coming home.